Welcome to the podcast for Mid-City Vineyard Church. My name is Brian. My wife and I pastor Mid-City Vineyard, which is right in the heart of New Orleans, Louisiana, a uh, community of faith that has been going strong for about one year now. If you want to learn a little bit more about us, you can check things out on Facebook, Mid-City Vineyard Church, Instagram, at Mid-City Vineyard, or online, midcityvineyard.org. A couple of announcements for you. We will be celebrating Easter on April the 16th at 9.30 a.m. on the Bayou. We will be under the Big Oak Tree across from the post office on Bayou St. John. So if you are in the neighborhood or if you're around and you want to join us, we'd love to have you. And we'll be uh, having a picnic after that. So all are welcome to be a part of that with us. For the last couple of weeks, we have been in a series entitled To Change the World, Lessons in Presence. And we've been looking at some of the ways that traditionally people try to uh, influence and change the world, but ultimately we've been looking at the ways that God will change the world and He will change the hearts of men and women and children through His presence, His presence as it is lived out by those who are following after Jesus. For this particular teaching, we are talking about the discipline of reconciliation and where we find the presence of God in our relationships. Also for this podcast, uh, we forgot to hit the record button, so it will not sound the same as it normally does as I will be reteaching it for the purposes of this podcast uh, right here in my study. Much peace to you. Thanks for checking things out, and we look forward to seeing you soon. My wife, Christy, and I had been married for one and a half years when our first son was born to us. Now, a year and a half isn't very long, but it is long enough to settle into certain rhythms in one's life. So we had settled into a number of rhythms, quiet and slow mornings. We had settled into getting a full night's rest. We had settled into a clean and tidy home, quiet times at restaurants, and all the movies we wanted. Oftentimes, going to midnight shows even, just because we could. It is true that there are moments in your life that completely transform your life. You hear this often. But it's certainly true. Moments that literally open you up to an entirely new world. And when a new world is born, the truth is a new way of living goes with it. So, a year and a half into our marriage, our first son was born. And just like that, a new world was born because there were no longer quiet mornings. There were no longer full nights of restful sleep. A clean and tidy house was not quite as common. Restaurants were more difficult, and movies, well, movies at this point became non-existent if it wasn't for the DVD that we rented from the Redbox. It's a lot like this when Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says, Now listen, 
if anyone is in Christ, the, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us, followers of Jesus, now the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. A new world has been born. Now Paul's not just talking about individuals. He's not just saying that, hey, if you're in Christ now, you are a new creation. Though you are. But that's not what Paul is, is, that's not the grand message that Paul is, is, is saying here. What Paul is saying is, listen, the new creation, the new way of doing things, the new system, the kingdom of God has now come, and the old way of doing things is gone. And with the new creation comes a new way of living. In this new world, everything and everyone has been reconciled to the Creator. Now, not everyone knows it, not everyone lives into it, but everyone and everything has been reconciled. And when something new has happened, now something new must happen. Listen to this again. When something new has happened, something new must now happen. And so to this point, the world has never seen a ministry of reconciliation. The world, to this point, had never even heard a message of reconciliation. But in this new world that Paul is talking about, there is a new king. And this new king has ambassadors, has representatives. And these ambassadors, these representatives, they're not out inviting people to try out a new religious experience. But instead, they are inviting anyone and everyone to live into this reconciled connection to God, to creation, and to one another. And so most importantly, these ambassadors represent and reflect this new reality. And they model it. They represent and reflect the king. They stand for what the king stands for. They stand against the things that the king stands against. And they work with one another to show the world what the king is really like. You see, reconciliation is not just an idea. It's not just a doctrine. Reconciliation is actually something that we do. Reconciliation is something that we practice. The discipline shapes a space of reconciliation, where God calls into being this new world that he is creating in Christ Jesus. So it really is a discipline. It's something that we actually practice 
together. And as we've been discussing over the last couple of weeks, the close circle, the community of faith, this is the place where we practice, we learn to practice the presence of God in reconciliation, in relationships, in this space, in this community. And then we move out from this space to show the world, our neighborhoods, what reconciliation looks like. Now let's think about it for a minute. There, there are a couple of ways that people actually respond to disagreements uh, and or anxiety when it arises in their life. We, we know from our psychology classes when we were in high school and or college uh, that there is a, a typical method that is known as fight or flight. And so when stress arises, when conflict arises, human beings, as do other mammals, respond by either fighting or fleeing, fight or flight. Now within uh, the fight or flight mechanism, there are a couple of ways that, that these things might manifest themselves. So for instance, when, when you're presented with a particular conflict, if you are a person of conflict, then what you might do is move towards the person that you have the disagreement with, but you might come at it from a, a place of conflict saying, you are the problem, saying to the person, this would not be a problem if you would fix the problem, you are the problem, you owe the apology, etc., etc. Now, I'd like for you as we go through these to think about, well, how do you respond to disagreements, to stress? The next way might be to distance and or cut oneself off. So, the conflict arises, the disagreement arises, and to hell with it, I'm out of here, is the response. I distance myself and eventually cut myself off from the relationship. In my own personal life, this has been one of these areas where I've had to really grow and invite the Spirit of God to change some things because distancing myself was a typical mode of operation for me. Another way that we might respond is by overfunctioning, which would be simply where we tell the person what they need to do to fix the situation, or we might underfunction, which is where we come and say, would you please tell me how I can fix the situation? Neither are healthy. There is a balance. And then the, the, the fourth thing that might happen is we triangle. Uh, it's called triangling. Also, uh, you might understand the word gossip a little bit better. It's where we bring a third person in, we align them to our side. That way, me and so-and-so can now talk about third party, and we can align ourselves against party number three. And that way I feel justified, I feel better that I'm in the right. None of these things have to do with reconciliation, which is interesting because these are the ways that we most often re respond to conflict, and yet, as followers of Jesus, we've been given a ministry that completely contradicts these, these methods. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. So what is reconciliation about? What does this discipline actually look like? Well, the goal of reconciliation is not punishment. It's not vindication. The goal is not that someone wins and someone else loses, nor at the same time is the goal that you would just roll over and pretend like nothing happened. Because that's not true reconciliation either. The goal of restoration is true and deep, rich and beautiful healing and renewed 
relationship. At the core of the discipline is the presence of Christ established between two people. The charge here is to become present to the other person in a way that recognizes Christ here among us. One of the most uh, popular verses in the scripture is actually a, a, a passage that is most often used out of context. You might be familiar with it. There's a, there's a very fun passage that, that many Christians love to throw around. Where two or more are present, there God is present with them. And then Jesus goes on to say, ask anything in this time and it will be given to you. It's Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. But if we were to actually open up the scriptures, if we were actually to open up Matthew and read what is going on here, Jesus is actually telling us what to do when we have conflict with another. Jesus says in Matthew 18, he says, when there is difficulty or stress or conflict, uh, when someone has sinned against you, go to that person and talk to them about it. And if you win them over, then you will be reconciled to one another. But if you cannot win them over, then take another person with you. And then if that doesn't work, take it before the larger community of faith. And Jesus says, I tell you this, that wherever two or more are gathered, whatever you ask in my name, it will be given to you. And what Jesus is saying is, I am present in this space of reconciliation. When you come together and you acknowledge my presence, you acknowledge my presence in one another. You acknowledge my presence in the space. I promise you that I am present and I am working on behalf of this relationship. Wow. So when there's conflict, it doesn't actually always have to be a bad thing because Jesus says in the conflict, you can experience my presence very powerfully here. There's a conscious act of submission to, to acting to what's happening in this space between where Christ is present. It's not about being right or wrong. It's not about winning the argument, but this is about the future of the kingdom. The place where you're standing, the, the conversation that you are engaged in, it is sacred ground for the kingdom. In this dispute, a way forward will be revealed. Jesus has promised that. How often do we actually move in this? How, how often do we actually believe this? It's holy ground. And we're, in effect, giving up our interest in winning for the sake of something much greater, something much deeper, something much richer, something more profound to occur in our midst. It's the reordering of our world for the kingdom to come. You know, there are powerful words in reconciliation. Uh, maybe the most powerful words would be, I submit to you. I've, I've spoken my peace, and now I submit to you. What am I not seeing? What, what would you do if you were me? Do you see this differently than I do? I mean, how powerful is that? 
Think about this, uh, how it would work in our neighborhoods and in our communities and with people who are different than us. Whether the person is white or black or Hispanic or Republican or Democrat, what would it look like for you, wherever you're coming from, to sit with someone who is different than you and to say to them, here's where I stand, but I now submit to you. What am I not seeing? Are you a white person? Have you actually considered sitting down with an African-American friend and giving your thoughts on Black Lives Matter and then saying, or maybe don't even start with your thoughts, perhaps sitting with them and saying, what are your thoughts? What am I not seeing? Maybe I don't totally get it. What would you do if you were me? How do you see it differently? I think of countless conversations that I've had with my neighbors and my friends who are African Americans, particularly around this issue, this this movement of Black Lives Matter. And I have learned such an amazing deal from my friends. So much that I could not see because I, plain and simple, was raised in a very tight white bubble. Reconciliation is good, and it's beautiful, but it's a discipline. It takes work. Ultimately, submission to the other opens up a space for the Spirit of God to work reconciliation, to work growth and learning what the future might actually look like. And I can do this because I actually trust that Jesus is working in this space. I can do this because I trust that Jesus is working in this space. You know, churches that are on mission should actually come to a place where they welcome disagreements as signs that God is moving and that he comes to being present among us. There are opportunities for the kingdom to be revealed and for God to change the world. As Dave Fitcher says, they are signs of faithful presence. So how does it work? Well, in the close circle, in the community of faith, this seems to be where it begins. In Matthew 18, we catch from Jesus what it's probably supposed to look like. So again, we go to one another, one-on-one. We learn to be reconciled. We learn to submit to one another. It starts in the community of faith. This is where we practice. If we can't do it here, then how are we going to do it anywhere else? But then it moves. It moves into our neighborhoods. The dotted circle, as we've been talking the last couple of weeks, it moves outside of these walls. It actually moves the game into our homes and our neighborhoods. The discipline of reconciliation extends into our everyday lives. Christians hosting Christians, Christians hosting others and seeing themselves as hosts of reconciliation. And as we live these reconciled lives before our neighbors, people actually begin to see how we deal with one another in Christ-like ways. And then the third step is the half circle, as we discussed, where we move out even further just into our, our neighborhoods, into our communities, The discipline of reconciliation does not stay located 
just in our church or or in our home or on our street, but it extends through Christians to places where we live and we intersect with those who are not followers of Jesus. It goes to the places where we are guests and we seek to be present in the places of racial injustice, violence, addiction, economic injustice, family brokenness, and more. We tend to Christ's presence at work. Every neighborhood, every social gathering, every meeting place is a flowing stream of antagonistic broken relationships. And as we sit and we tend to Christ's presence among these various places of life, it is inevitable that the occasion will arise to offer the reconciliation of God in Christ for the whole world. Make no mistake about it, I know it seems a bit glim out there. Violence and injustice are running rampant. But God is changing the world. God is changing the hearts and minds of people. And the way he's doing it is through the faithful presence of his ambassadors who are faithfully representing the kingdom life. And so today, as you go about your business, may you represent the beauty and the glory of God. May you reflect the mercy and the peace and the grace of God, Creator, Jesus Christ, Son, and Holy Spirit. May the Lord God cause His face to shine upon you and may the Lord God give you peace. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Much peace to you.